0: This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we are rolling right along in our adventures in Acts with Paul in the Roman Tribune. Paul brought to the council, Paul divides the room, plot to kill Paul, and Paul sent to Felix. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at the org or your favorite podcast provider. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in the gladness. From the rising of the sun to its setting. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house of my God than dwell in the tents of the day. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Sanctify us in your truth from the rising of the sun to its setting. reading from Romans, chapter seven. What then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet, if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death for me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Be to God. FOREVER, O oh LORD, YOUR WORD IS FIRMLY SET IN THE HEAVENS. FOREVER, I LOVE THE
1: HAVITATION OF YOUR HOUSE, AND THE PLACE of YOUR GLORY TELLS
0: US. BLESSED ARE THOSE WHO HEAR THE WORD OF GOD AND KEEP IT. FOREVER, I LOVE THE HAVITATION OF YOUR HOUSE, AND THE PLACE of YOUR GLORY TELLS US. GLORY BE TO THE FATHER, AND TO THE SON, AND TO THE HOLY SPIRIT, you shall have no other God. The small catechism on page 322 what is the ninth commandment you shall not your neighbor's house what does this mean What is the tenth commandment? You shall not have your neighbor's wife, or his man's servant, or his servant, his boss, or company, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean? What does God say about all these commandments? He says, I your the fathers, the of those generations of those who What does this mean?
2: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dearly beloved, love wins? Love is love? What is love anyway? Is every love right and good, or are some kinds wrong and bad? King David loved Bathsheba, his son Amnon loved his sister Tamar. The men of Sodom loved other men when they should have only loved each his own wife in chastity. And nowadays under the slogan, love is love, love has become indistinct. Apparently, anything goes. God is love, and so he commands love. God is love, and so when he commands us to love, He commands us to become like He is. God's nature, then, is the basis for the moral law. And the summary of the commandments is the double law of love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the double law of love, and we need it just like we also need the Ten Commandments. We need the law of love, or else we might become Pharisees, performing the outward works of the law and of the Ten Commandments, but ignoring how the heart is supposed to be in it. On the other hand, we need the Ten Commandments, lest we twist the double law of love to mean whatever we covet The 10 Commandments define concretely what true love is. You are not allowed to define love for yourself. God is love and he defines it. But coveting is wrongful love. Coveting means inward evil desire. That's the way we use the word in English. And there are different kinds of coveting. One of them is lust, as when David coveted Bathsheba and Amnon coveted his sister Tamar. But coveting is not just toward your neighbor's wife. Basically, coveting is an evil desire. It's evil either in its object or in its manner. It's evil in its object when you desire something that is evil or that is forbidden to you. It's evil in its manner when you desire something that otherwise would be permissible, but you desire it excessively. In English, we call it coveting. In the Hebrew, it's chamad, and in Greek, it's epithumia. In those languages, the word can mean neutral desire or even good desire but normally it's evil desire. Normally it means lust or evil desire. So the last two commandments show that to obey the commandments, your heart has to be in it. That's what those last two commandments are saying. It's not enough to just perform outwardly good actions. If you desire what is wrong or you desire it wrongly, it's sin. It is a wrongful love. Over the years, many controversies have arisen about these last two commandments and whether they're two commandments or just one. It almost seems that the two commandments about coveting are indistinct. It appears that, there, that nine and 10 are really one commandment since Paul refers to them simply by saying, you shall not covet. The ninth forbids house coveting, and the tenth forbids everything else coveting. Different objects but the same activity, right? We number them nine and ten, but if the distinction of objects were enough to make them different commandments, why would we not number at least seven commandments here, one for each of them? Let's see here. house. Wife, servant, servant, manservant, maidservant, ox, donkey and everything else that belongs to your neighbor. That's seven. So then we'd have something like the fifteen commandments. And then if you look at the parallel passage in Deuteronomy 5, there the word wife in the ninth commandment and house and everything else is in the tenth commandment. So wife and house got swapped the Holy Spirit swapped the commandments. And because He did so, it's clear that the the real distinction between these two commandments is not the objects of what is coveted. It's not really about the objects between house coveting and everything else coveting. Now, it's clear from the solemn repetition of the law in Deuteronomy 5 that, however, the ninth and 10th really are distinct commandments, because in Deuteronomy 5, we find two different verbs. The ninth commandment says, lo thachmod, you shall not covet. And the 10th commandment says, lo fithawed, you shall not let yourself desire. You shall not let yourself desire. So it might seem that those last two commandments are indistinct, yet here in Deuteronomy 5, they are different verbs. In fact, they are distinct commandments. One is about actual coveting and the other is about original coveting. Actual coveting is when you consent to the temptation of evil desire. It's what we call an actual sin, that is, an act of sin. When you decide to allow the temptation to stay, when you like it, when you say, I can't help it, that's actual coveting or the act of coveting. The other kind is original coveting. This is the corruption of your human nature, which presents the temptation before you even before you consent and even if you do not consent. The fact that your sinful nature is constantly suggesting coveting, even that goes against the commandment, you shall not covet. You are a sinner even if you never consented to temptation. You shall not let yourself desire what is wrong. That's what it's saying. And yet this happens all the time. It's what I call original coveting. And James chapter 1 gives a nice explanation of how this works. There in James chapter 1 he says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Lured and enticed. And here the word desire is the translation for epithumia or coveting. Then the next verse in James 1 describes actual coveting when someone consents to the temptation to covet. It says, then desire or coveting when it has conceived and so on. And what comes from that actual coveting is manifest outward intentional sin. He says, gives birth to sin. So the original coveting lures and entices. When one consents to it, actual coveting has been conceived. And this is kind of like a snake-like conception. Sin is born from the corrupt soul and it's coveting. And then when it's born, this snake-like daughter, sin, devours her mother, the soul. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. So what I'm saying is that in Deuteronomy 5, in that version of the Ten Commandments, not only is there a distinction of objects of coveting, there's also a distinction of kinds of coveting. The ninth commandment says something like, you shall not consent to covetous temptations. And the 10th commandment says something like, you shall not even have any covetous temptations in the first place. So the last two commandments are distinct. You shall not covet. You shall not have any wrongful love. God, after all, is love and he makes it possible for us to love him. As St. John says, we love him because he first loved us. And you need to hear that first part, we love. That is, we, we really do love God and our neighbor, we who have received God's love in Christ. We do love, but so far are we from perfect love that we require forgiveness perpetually. Can you perfectly keep the moral law in this life? Only if you ignore the ninth and tenth commandments. Only if evil desire is seen as inevitable and not a sin. Only then could you be perfect in this life. But if God's ninth and tenth commandments stand, then perfectibility is obviously false we are far from keeping God's law perfectly. These two commandments require that all our desires be in perfect harmony with God's law. Our entire nature must be whole and complete, a spiritual obedience that is absolute in every respect. God is love and he commands love. He forbids wrongful desire and by his command and law he exposes our sins. But not only that, he also reveals his holy character and thereby he gives us a glimpse of the holiness toward which we believers are heading. For Christ's sake, you have the forgiveness of sins. For Christ's sake, you have the Holy Spirit. For Christ's sake, you do love God and your neighbor, not perfectly, but as a beginning. May he grant the perfection of love and holiness to each of us in eternal life for Christ's sake, amen.
0: In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the holy Christian church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation for our cities and communities and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Almighty God, you exalted your Son to the place of all honor and authority. Enlighten our minds by your Holy Spirit that, confessing Jesus as Lord, we may be led into all truth. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them read, mark, learn, and take them to heart that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, Lord. Let us bless the Lord. Be to God.
2: The Almighty and Merciful Lord, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. bless and preserve you.